Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome back to the Places Where We Go podcast, where today we're continuing our travels in Alaska. When we were together last time, we took a cruise in Alaska and talked about the stops along the way. And when we were done with that, we would continue our adventure in our DIY style that we typically do. The main destination that we would venture off to after the cruise would be Denali National Park. So Denali National Park and Preserve was created by Congress in 1917 when it was initially known as Mount McKinley National Park. And that place was originally established to protect the doll sheep from overhunting. But over time, the park's size and purpose grew And in 1980, the park was renamed Denali National Park and Preserve, Denali meaning the tall one in the Athabascan Indian language. If you happen to speak Russian, Denali would also have been called Bolshaya Gora, which means big mountain in Russian. Today, the park is nearly 6 million acres in size, and it's also designated as an international biosphere reserve. Okay, but is there a Russian connection? Well, yeah, so before the acquisition of Alaska by the United States, the Ruskies would have had a claim on it. So a quick Google search, Julie, reminds me of, I think we learned this back in junior high or high school, I forget, that was a long time ago, but there was this thing called the Alaska Purchase, where the United States acquired Alaska from the Russian Empire back in 1867. Mm-hmm. Okay through a treaty that was ratified by the U.S. Senate. So before that, Russia had a presence in North America, not only in Alaska, but we've also gone to places in Northern California where they had establishments up in somewhere around like the Fort Bragg area. We yes, went, yes. Yeah. There was, there was actually Fort Ross, I believe Fort Ross. Yeah, yeah, we visited that. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much, honey. I um, Thank you for the re- history reminder. You bet. No. Forgotten. Oh, back to my notes. <laughs> oh, we were talking about Denali Mountain. So this is the that's the centerpiece of this place and what it's really known for. So there's a 20,310-foot mountain, formerly known as Mount McKinley. Today, it's Denali Mountain, and it's the highest peak in North America. With terrain of tundra, spruce forest, and glaciers, this park is home to wildlife that includes grizzly bears, wolves, moose, caribou, and of course, the doll sheep. The park is popular mostly in the summer months, for lots of activities that include backpacking, camping, fishing, hiking, mountaineering, and wildlife viewing. It also helps to know some basic facts about Denali National Park. Denali has only one road, and only one road, for its entrance. Denali Park is 92 miles long, running from east to west, The scenic road is mostly dirt and gravel. You mentioned the summers in Denali where tourism is most popular. From mid-May through mid-September, 
privately owned vehicles may drive the first 15 miles of the park road to a place called Savage River. If you want to travel beyond Savage River, you'll want to take a bus tour, which is what we did. It's a great way to get a lot deeper into Denali and see the landscape and the wildlife that you had just spoken about. The annual Denali Road Lottery allows visitors to drive their private vehicles on the entire park road on select days in September. Yeah, so my understanding is there's this lottery system that comes into play every year where a select few Mm -hmm. get the opportunity to drive deeper than everybody else into the park. Yeah, I wonder how many people actually enter into the lottery. Yeah, Yeah, I saw that and I also saw how many actually get very few get this yeah and yeah. i don't don't remember the number but if you're interested you know that's a thing you mark on your calendar nearly 400,000 travelers journey to this park every year that's a ton of people yeah especially when you consider how remote and distant this place is getting to denali there's three main options you've got cars, you have trains, and you have buses. And as we talked about the last time we were together, we took an Alaskan cruise. We took a one-way cruise and ended in the town of Whittier. From there, we took a bus into Anchorage. And in Anchorage, we had arranged for a rental car for our nearly 240-mile journey to Denali National Park. And when we got to the rental agency, it turned out that the car they had reserved for us had a windshield crack. So we were lucky enough to get a free upgrade and they put us in a large Chevy Suburban, which was a really nice car to have for the time we were yeah, in Alaska. It was really nice. Yeah. A lot there's a lot of dirt and gravel roads there. Yeah. So that's a nice high, sturdy car to be in or truck or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, and prior to this trip, I remember, you know, over the years seeing images of travel shows on Alaska and it's something I've always wanted to do is to be in Alaska and drive around and kind of, you know, see see the way you see a place when you're in a car. And so we had that experience. And because we arranged this vacation the way it did, to me it kind of felt like two separate vacations. So there was the time that we spent on the ship and that's its own experience. Mm-hmm. When we were done with that, we had another whatever it was, five days or so just exploring places on our own with the main destination being Denali. But since we were driving around in a car, that was a whole separate, a second experience, Mm -hmm. which is kind of neat. If you plan to get to Denali after an Alaskan cruise, your other option would be to arrange a land excursion with the cruise line, which will include transportation after your cruise into the park and a prepackaged experience that can include lodging and a structured itinerary. If you'd rather just kind of sit back and relax, the Alaska Railroad also offers service to Denali from many stops, and private bus tour operators can also get you there from Anchorage as well as Fairbanks. But as we said, we took a car, and the drive from Anchorage was nearly five and a half hours, and I don't know if you remember this, Julie, but you did most of the drive from Anchorage to the town of Healy, which is where we would set up base camp. I don't. I remember driving. Yeah, you drove most of it. I apparently was having some, I don't know if it was back issues or something was bugging me and uh, I let you do most of the drive. So so a belated thank you for taking the wheel. We stopped on the way for coffee in the town of Wasilla and we stopped at the Mocha Moose for black cherry lattes. I remember that. Yeah. 
and then ultimately made our way to the town of Healy, where we booked a B&B for a few nights. And we'll talk about the B&B and that whole experience a little bit later. But first, we're going to get into our experience in Denali. Once we arrived in Healy, we spent the morning checking out uh, mostly souvenir shops. We then drove into the park and before stopping at the visitor center, took about an hour hike near the visitor center, which I remember that vividly because there's something about the ruralness of Alaska that is is so different from any other place we've been to. Yeah. One thing that sticks out to me about the hiking experience in Denali, I don't think we would do the same way today as we did then, but when we visited, and this trip was a few years ago, Mm -hmm. this was before I think we were attuned to this thing called bear spray. We didn't have any bear spray with us. I don't even think we were, it was like a thing in our head. But since this trip, there's been so many times we've been, be it in Wyoming and Montana, number of places where when you're in bear country, and especially when you're hiking and you're not around a lot of other people, it is a very helpful thing to have. And we had none on our body. Yeah, because it didn't even dawn on us that we needed anything like that. I mean, it yeah. just wasn't present in our mind. Mm-hmm. And apparently nobody told us. So we're telling you. Yes. So once we did get to the visitor center, which is near the entrance to the Denali National Park and the Murray Science and Learning Center and the Denali Bus Depot, which serves as the park's major transport hub, we entered into a 14,000 square foot multi-level building and you'll find many exhibits on the ground floor devoted to the area's history and a theater with movies that provide a glimpse of the park's wildlife and its scenery. And on the second floor, you'll find a giant tabletop relief map to help you understand the topography of this park, which is very, very extensive. Yeah, and hopefully these days when people get to the visitor center, you can actually see these things because the last year and a half or so as we've been going to various national parks more often than not we found some of these extra exhibits closed because of this whole covid thing that still is out there so you know i don't know for sure today if those are completely open yeah i don't know either you hope we get back to normal soon if we're not the uh, Murray Science and Learning Center features hands-on exhibits and information on research that is ongoing in the park, which is constant there. And you can catch nature-related programs throughout the summer at this center. A newer visitor center is found at mile 66 of the Park Road, the Ilson Visitor Center. Here you'll find more exhibits on the natural history of the region, a massive model of Denali, and a huge viewing window to observe North America's highest peak. And within just a few miles of the visitor center, you're going to find some of the only designated hiking trails in the park. So there's eight trails that are near the park entrance. They offer various difficulty levels. And there's more trails that you're going to find along the park road and the Eelson Visitor Center that you mentioned, Julie. And it is possible to do backcountry hiking, but you do need a permit Mm -hmm. to do that. So again, you've got, what what did we say, 6 million acres or some massive amount of acreage. So there's everything from actual trails that are designated for people, as well as if you're up to it, explore on your own in the wilderness that's there. We chose to do a bus tour that took us deeper into uh, the Denali Road. And there's two types of buses 
into the park. There are narrated tour buses and on board naturalists take you to top Sicilian spots where the bus will stop to let you view wildlife along the way. You'll find half day and full day options and it is recommended to make reservations in advance for these tours. Yeah, with 400,000 people going to Denali and mostly in the summer months, these fill up. Very quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. There are also non-narrated transit bus trips available as well. These are hop-on and hop-off style and are recommended for folks who want to do more DIY experience of the park. These options are also cheaper. Day hikers can get off the bus anywhere along the park road and at the end of the trek, they can flag down a bus anywhere on the road to get their ride back to the park entrance. That's a nice Especially if you've been there mm-hmm. several times and you've already done the narrated bus tour, that's kind of nice to be able to hop off, go explore a little bit, and then just jump back on. I think yes, that's pretty especially cool. if you have your bear spray that, with you. Yes, you have yes. bear spray. And we did see bear. We arranged for an eight-hour bus tour, and ours started at 1.30 p.m. We saw caribou. As I mentioned, we saw grizzly bears. We saw a fox that was running along the road. We saw Denali which sometimes is not able to see because of the um, fog and coverage and clouds over it. Yeah, most of the time it's covered, so we we lucked out. Yeah, we lucked out a lot. And we got to our room almost 10.30 p.m., but the fascinating part of being in Alaska is 10.30 p.m. looks like you're still at 3 o'clock in the afternoon because there's so much light out. Yeah, I remember that day when we came back from this tour, even though it was late in Alaska and you're pushing 11 p.m., you had got on FaceTime with our daughter just to kind of check back on things at home. And I, I so vividly remember looking out the window and it looked like 3 p.m., 4 p.m., you know, what the skies look like here in Southern California. And it was that late in Alaska and being in, I think it was the same time zone, it would have been pitch black where our daughter was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything else stuck out to you about the bus tour? I liked it. I liked the narrated part of it. I liked that the tour driver was looking out for animals for you. And if he spotted something, he would point it out. That was nice because it was hard to... You're either on one side of the bus or the other side of the bus, so you can't see both sides. And so it was nice to be able to spot, like the fox. I never would have spotted the fox, but he saw it first Mm -hmm. and, you know, pointed it out. Yeah. One of the things that stuck out to me about the tour also was we mentioned we arranged for an eight-hour experience. And it was one of those times that time flew by. It didn't feel like, Mm -mm, because eight hours can be a long time. And you're just looking at so many things as you're just the being landscape driven itself yeah was amazing yeah. it was absolutely amazing yeah. and so, we did at the end we had had a stop point before we turned around and went back and we all got out of the bus and stretched out and hung out a little bit had a snack whatever you wanted to do mm-hmm. um so that was kind of nice to be able to stretch your legs at the end of that too yeah and more photography opportunities yeah. i think much of the wildlife that you may see from the bus is going to be in the distance so if you have a camera with a zoom Oh, option yeah, yeah. that will suit you better than a, a typical yeah, lens. Yeah, I was trying to take a picture of the caribou, which was off in the distance. It was yeah. hard to get. So a few other things about Denali. So this national park is home to the only sled dog team in the entire United States that is used to patrol a national park. And as a visitor, you can meet these canine rangers at their kennels and see demonstrations to learn about their unique history and role at the park. The kennels are open year-round near the park 
park entrance, we did not have an opportunity when we were there based on our schedule and itinerary. But if you have time on your hands, I think that would be a neat thing to uh, to see. Yeah, and I would check into it because I hear it's very, very popular. A lot of people want to go see the dog sleds, even in the summer. So you might want to find out if reservations are required and what that looks like. You can also go flight seeing. It's another dramatic way to experience the park, and it is with a plane in flight. These depart near the park entrance or from the town of Talkeetna and are a good alternative if you don't have time for the bus inside the park. Yeah, I think there's a lot of the national park areas in Alaska that you can see on planes, I don't know if they do helicopters, planes for sure. In fact, there's some that that's the only way that you can get to them. So I've got a number on my list that still are in my national park passport that I'd like to check the box off on someday. And we might be back up there someday and doing some riding on the little planes. Stay tuned, Julie. Really, babe? (laughs) Yeah. Don't you know? I would love that. Okay. Uh, But you're going to have to... Take something to calm your nerves, probably. Cause no, as, not... as long as if I don't have to jump out of the plane, I'm, I'm good. Oh, those are little well, planes. I'm, I've been on little planes. I've been on okay. prop planes. I'm not jumping out of a plane. Right. I'm not doing a hot air balloon. Those two things I'm not going to do. You can knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> but a little plane, I'm, I'm okay with. And probably more so if the skies are clear. <laughs> okay. If you're talking cloudy days and you know there's mountains, I, I do get there's nervous for that. There's many cloudy days in Alaska, but we'll go anyway. That's fine. We'll go in July. We mentioned backpacking is another way to see Denali. So if you want to experience the backcountry, just know that you have to arrange for a permit if you want to overnight camp and hike the area. And you can check in with the rangers at the uh, visitor center to find out how to make those reservations. One of the funnest things that I find in uh, this park in particular was the wildlife viewing. There is more than a famous mountain peak there that makes Denali National Park a special place. The park is also home to 37 species of mammals and nearly 130 different bird species that have been spotted here, including the impressive golden eagle. Most visitors, however, want to see Alaska's big five animals, which is the moose, the caribou, the wolf, the doll sheep, and the brown or grizzly bear. Denali is also home to black bears that inhabit the forested areas of the park, while grizzly bears mainly live on the open tundra, and we did see grizzly. And I remember one in particular was like a blonde color, but it was pointed out that it was a grizzly, and it was in the tundra. Mm -hmm. We saw a couple grizzly bears. There was a couple that were pointed out to us, and they said it was kind of a, a rarer sighting in that the driver on the bus noted that it looked like they were in some kind of mating scenario mm-hmm. or, or, or were somehow connected that way. And he did say that however that works out for the bear only happens like maybe once every three years or, or there, there was some timing situation mm-hmm. that, again, it just kind of pointed out that we were seeing something that was kind of unusual yeah which is very cool yeah i don't know if you also remember we had seen from the bus there was like this one bear and it looked at least from where we were on the bus not too far away from it i don't know if it was a a caribou or some animal like that oh that's right remember that yeah and we were wondering if they were were in close proximity yeah and the caribou looked a little alerted 
Yeah, but, so that was interesting. And the bear, we knew the bear saw it. Yes. But he just went about his business munching on whatever he was munching on. <laughs> yeah, but they were aware of each other. Yeah. For sure. So so that's a great way to view some of the wildlife is is on these bus tours. And if you'd like to visit Alaska or any destination, we'd ask you take a visit to our website, www.theplaceswherewego.com, and start your travel planning on our travel resources page. Whether you're looking for a flight, hotel, rental car, or savings for unique attractions, you can begin booking your next vacation by starting at our travel resources portal. And if you book through the links on our site, it's a free way to support our show without any additional cost to you, and we'd uh, really appreciate it. So let's talk a little bit about lodging. There are many visitors to this park, and many of them stay at the nearby hotels. They have lodges. There are cabins in the area. Or you could even stay at a and b which is what we chose to do. Some of these accommodation types provide shuttle services to the park, depending on what you're looking for. The National Park Service does not run a lodge or a hotel at Denali. There are six campgrounds in Denali, but no NPS-run lodging. Half of the campgrounds are tent only and accessible only by bus. The others are open to tents and RVs, and all are reservable in advance. For the backcountry experience with more amenities, there are four wilderness lodges located at private inholdings at the end of the park road in Kantishna. These full-service, all-inclusive lodges are set in stunning remote locations in the park and include meals, comfortable amenities, and activities like hiking and wildlife viewing right from the front doors. The B&B option, or the bed and breakfast option, have prices that average between $250 to $300 a night for the B&Bs in the town in Healy where we stayed. Yeah, so just to give you an idea of what you might expect to pay, and I went online just a couple of days ago just to see what prices would look like this summer. So as an example, that's what you'd be paying for. So you mentioned, Julie, that we stayed in the town of Healy, and we chose that location because it was... If I remember the nearest location closest to Denali. So since NPS doesn't have hotels there and we wanted to stay at a place on our own, we chose the town of Healy. So this was located about 11 miles north of the entrance to Denali National Park. And the town of Healy is the closest full-service year-round community that you'll find to the park. It has several restaurants, there are some hotels and motels, and as well as lodges in the town, and you'll also find some of the flight-seeing operators that could take you on the scenic tour of Denali on a plane, if that's your choice. And Healy is a popular overnight base camp for visitors to Denali, so it's a place that um, was convenient for us to stay at. We enjoyed the B&B. The lodging that we had is probably, you know, common of what you'd find if you go on Verbo or one of those types of sites looking for lodging. But we also had an interesting, fun experience with our uh, eating when we were in Healy and drinking. And drinking, yes. They do have a brewery in the area, which we decided to go to, called the 49th State Brewery. And it was very, very busy and very happening place. And it had this awesome atmosphere. 
So we stopped there a couple of times to enjoy the spinach salad. They had king salmon burgers. I, they had a myriad of food, and it was very good. Mm-hmm. Seating was inside and outside, and they even had a great whiskey selection too. But we got beers, but you always get excited when you see whiskey. I also get excited when I see Imperial Stouts, and that's what I got at this place. It's my my favorite in the beer world. I also got a stout, but mine was a nitro stout. The brewery, as I said, has some great food. They have smoked ribs. They had organic salads, or they had these super-sized burgers. You have to be really hungry to go there. In the beer garden, you can play disc golf. They have some bocce ball. They have horseshoes. It was just a really entertaining place to be and we had we did have a lot of fun there they even have some outdoor concert series there and they had acts such as the whalers the reverend horton heat and keller williams that have played there so that's pretty cool we didn't get a chance to hear any concerts but um, but we did spend some more time in the beer garden because there was a certain attraction there yes that caught our eye Yes. So if anybody has ever seen Into the Wild, you know the story of the young man that went out into the Alaskan wild when it was winter and never came back. And he couldn't traverse across the cold winter. And in the spring when he tried to do it, he realized that he had cut himself off because there was a huge river that he then could not cross. And he thought he was completely um, stuck in this area. But what he did come across was a bus and he made the last of his time on earth living in this bus. The magic bus, he called it. Yes. Yes. And he did leave lots of notes and things about what happened to him. And it was quite tragic, but they did make a movie out of it. And they have a replica of this magic bus yeah, so this, at the, the 49th State Brewery. Yeah, and, and my understanding is the bus that's at the brewery is the bus that was used in the film. I think in years since, I believe the original bus has been found and has been re- relocated, I think, to some museum, either in Anchorage or Fairbanks. Someone would have to look, look it up. Oh, but sad. Yeah. They did finally find him, but he had... He had passed by then. Yeah, and he had withered down to, I think it was like 67 pounds oh, or something. Terrible. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a great read. The original book by John Krakauer would recommend that, as well as the movie, which you and I both saw. We saw it, and it was it was quite a testament to the human nature and its, its ability to um, keep fighting. And this young man had left pictures, and he had left notes, and he had left all kinds of stuff behind that they were able to tell his story. Mm-hmm. So it was it was something. But to be in that bus was eerie. It had an eerie yeah. feeling to it because we had seen the movie. Yeah, I think we saw it like not too long before we made our trip there and just knowing the tragedy of the story, it, um, it was a little somber. Yeah. Yeah. The brewery also makes camping available just adjacent to the brewery. So you can claim your spot, then come to their gift shop with your campsite number and pay for the stay for just $25 a night. Camping is first come, first serve with a maximum 20 foot long vehicle, but no hookups. Yeah, 22 feet. And it wasn't clear to me when I looked that up. I mean, I'm assuming that's a combination of your vehicle and your trailer. And if, if that is, you're looking at a pretty short trailer. If you're interested in camping by the brewery, you'd have to you know check with them to make sure what yeah. the combo of the trailer length and vehicle is. But it does seem to be on the short side. 
Yeah. So after we were done in Denali and Healy, where we did spend a few days, we would then make our way back to Anchorage, where we booked another B&B just overnight before our return flight, which would be on a subsequent day. We didn't really get a chance to see a whole lot of Anchorage other than I remember we did spend some time walking through one of the large city parks. And the thing that just stuck out to me about that was by the time we got to Anchorage, and this would have been, I think, late June, there were just so many mosquitoes. Yeah, but that's that's well known. So many mosquitoes. Yeah. <laughs> that's well known in Alaska. Yes, so be prepared for that. Yes. And after that, it was uh, time to go home. So that's uh, a recap of our adventures in Alaska. I think it's a place that everybody, if, if you get a chance, do go see Alaska. It is an amazing state. And I think primarily it's like, for me, it's because it seems to be like the, the least touched by humans throughout so much of it. So you see the wilderness in its pristine state. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you're thinking about taking a trip to Alaska, we recommend, I think it's sometimes good to do some reading about the places you're going to. Two books that we would recommend. One is John Muir's Travels in Alaska. And again, we also mentioned Into the Wild by John Krakauer. You'll find links on our website to both of those. If you select the gear menu item and then navigate to travel itinerary guidebooks or books that inspire travel, you'll find these along with many others. And again... It's a way to support our show without any additional cost to you. And I think, you know, maybe the most important thing that you might ask yourself right now is if you haven't been to Alaska, when will you go? So take a look at your calendar and make yourself a commitment because actually our Alaska trip, we had decided a few years before there was a certain event that we were experiencing and we said, by golly, this is the one we're going to go. And we had it on our calendar and we, we, we went. went and it was, well and worth it was, it. Yeah, it was wonderful. How about some fun facts? Let's talk about fun facts about Denali. All right. Denali National Park and Preserve is larger than the state of New Jersey. Robert, did you hear that? It is one of the few wilderness areas that remain unspoiled by human activity. Gold prospector William Dickey is the man who is said to have named the mountain Mount McKinley after the presidential nominee of his time, who was William McKinley. He did so because of McKinley's support for maintaining the gold standard. McKinley hailed from Ohio and had never visited the state of Alaska, Hmm. but he did for a number of years have a mountain in Alaska Hmm. named after him. Yes, he did. It is estimated that around 32,000 people have attempted to summit Denali with a success rate of about 50%. The upper half of Denali Mountain is covered with permanent snow and features several glaciers, making it a challenging climb. And Denali Mountain Range features extreme temperatures that range from minus 75 degrees Fahrenheit and can get as low as minus, get this, minus 118 degrees Fahrenheit with the wind chill. This level of extreme cold is enough to freeze an unprotected human in an instant. Yowch. Yeah. Just a little jump into some tips that we can give you. If you want to see the mountain, there are some tips. It is said that only 30% of park visitors see the mountain, and we were a lucky few that did. That means that 30% chance that you will see any part of the mountain. So because it is so tall, it creates its own weather. And it's mostly always shrouded in clouds. So the best times to look at it are late at night 
or in the early morning hours from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. approximately. Remember, in the summer, you have 24 hours of daylight. The best time to visit the park is mid-May through mid-September when the park buses and other amenities are operational and the wildlife viewing opportunities are at their peak. And again, bring bear spray. Because there's lots of bears. Mm -hmm. So there you go. We hope that you've heard a few things that will help you plan your future visit to Alaska. So much to see. It's a wonderful state. And um, hope you get it on your calendar in the future. And I'm hoping that we get to go back again. Because we have more to see. see. Yep. So much. It is on my list. Yeah. Well, apparently we're going to go flying. We're flight seeing. Yes. If you're not subscribing to us yet, take a minute to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite source of podcasts and catch our future episodes. We would really appreciate it if you left us a review. You can also follow our adventures most weeks on our YouTube channel, also called The Places Where We Go. And with that, that rounds out Alaska. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new adventure to a new place. I have no idea where we're going to go. So join us in two We've weeks. We've been many places. And uh, we're going to take you somewhere. So thanks for joining us at the places where we go. If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube where our channel name is The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.